Family Medicine, the pastor's prescription for your problems, and this is Pastor Richard Lejeune. This is Pastor Curtis King. Hey, buddy, good to see you today. Yeah. <laughs> How's everything going in Connecticut? Things are good here. Yes, sir. Well, good. Well, good. You're looking all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. I'm a happy man. Oh, that's good. So I'm assuming at this point you will be all moved in to your yeah. new place. All settled in. Every getting, box unpacked. Getting used to life. Well, we're we're working on it. <laughs> we're, we're getting there, right? Uh, you know how that works? You, you shove the extra boxes into a back room and you work on them one at a time. And a year later, you're still working on them one at a time. So yeah. And sometimes four or five years later, I was up in our attic a couple of weeks ago, um, looking at our garage attic and uh, digging through some boxes and things I forgot I had. <laughs> it's not good, man. You it's know, a good, good. a good rule is after so many years of, of not needing something, you just throw it out. Well, I struggle with that. Um, I've got several boxes. Uh, I used to collect sports memorabilia and um, I just, I've lost all interest in it, mm -hmm. but I've got some things up there that there, I just, there's no way. And I've had a couple of people yeah. say, well, you just ought to sell it on eBay or something. Should. And yeah. I'm like, do I look like I am of the generation that knows how to sell something on eBay? <laughs> Joseph is. You could get Joseph to help you with that, I'm sure. I've asked him, and I, he's never sold anything on eBay either, okay. so okay. I don't know. Well, you know, my uncle, my uncle down in Louisiana, um, he inherited a bunch of old 1950s Marvel comic books. Oh my goodness! That were in mint condition. Oh my goodness! And That's so incredible. He sent them off to get, um, you know, to get evaluated and given a score and and uh, make them official and so he sells those on ebay and he makes a killing off of that stuff so you know that i don't know that i've got anything that i would make a killing off of i've, I've got a few things that to me are kind of cool yeah you know um i never really collected um uh, to the point where you get certificates of authenticity and all that kind of stuff you know i would uh, I used to go to the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens training camp and get autographs. And of course they're worthless if you don't have that little certificate. So, right. but, right. but I've got some that do have that certificate. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I don't think my kids are going to really value them. I've got a, a, an autographed picture of Johnny Unitas that does have the certificate, which I think is just the coolest thing in the whole world, but. Well, you could will it to uh, me. Right. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll do that one You're of these good days. Buddy Richard Lejeune. So of course, if I tell you I will that to you, you'll probably come bump me off so you can get it. So <laughs> <laughs> who would I do Monday medicine with if I bumped you off? You know, I need well, to you know, Andrew around. did a really good job, you oh, know. He really did. So <laughs> maybe that's the, the <laughs> that's where besides, we're going. What? When I get into a pastoral tough spot, I need somebody to call to help me, you know, help, help advise me through it. So you, well, the longer you still have you value. This, yeah, right? The longer you pastor, the less phone calls I get saying, well, pastor, what do you do about this situation? Yeah, you're starting to figure it all out. <laughs> well, I got to say about, about uh, you know, the idea of throwing things away. My mantra is, if in doubt, throw it out. If there you out, go throw it out and i've i've developed that attitude with our staff here because at our church 
we just don't have a lot of storage space. Yeah, yeah. And so we rented like a 30-foot dumpster. And uh, behind me in the, the, the back wall of the auditorium, here, there's an attic area. Uh-huh. And every church has that notorious attic space. It may not actually be an attic, but you, you know, it's that attic space. And yeah. you open the door and stuff just about comes falling down on top of you. Yep. Yep. So when uh, uh, we, we had cleaned that out a couple of times before, but I had hired someone new on my staff and man, she is a queen of throwing things away. And so we were oh, a dumpster and we had a time and uh, we, we were throwing all kinds of stuff out and it's just about empty up there now. So. Fantastic. Yep. Fantastic. You know, I recently preached for Daniel Anderson. Remember when I was over yes. in Vermont preaching for Daniel? And, I stopped uh, he, by his church after you did, by the way. Okay. Yeah. He uh, he took us way upstairs there, and um, and he was telling me how that Amy is, has really been working to clean that out. And there was one area that um, uh, he said she just finished here, and I looked down and I'm like, good night. That's the most organized storage I've ever seen in a church yeah. anywhere. You know, Amy is really good at that kind of stuff. She is, yeah. And um, then he said, now this over here we haven't touched yet, and I thought that looks like what I would have. Or organize <laughs> what, what he's calling bad is what I would call good, right? <laughs> and yeah. I'm a throwaway kind of guy too, you yeah. know. But yeah. Anyway, man, we got a lot of ground to cover today. We, do. we, we better really get to do, and and but we also have two really good jokes to share today. So we do. You had me go first last time, correct? Uh-huh. Okay, so you go first this time. Okay. All right. Here's the joke. All right. Uh, uh, why are men who have a pierced ear better prepared for marriage? <laughs> why is that? <laughs> because they already know what it's like to experience pain and they have bought jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's good. That is good. You know, before I tell mine, I got to say that I was listening to you and Andrew two weeks ago. And, um, I had it playing in the, in the kitchen and, um, uh, and Janet heard the canned laughter <laughs> and she said, wow, they're having a really good time. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is I'm sitting here in the church auditorium. There's nobody else here. So there's really nobody laughing and, but that, which is really the way our jokes usually work anywhere that nobody laughs. <laughs> oh, you have to okay. pipe it in because our jokes just aren't that funny, but that's okay. They're not. That, yeah. Hey, that's what they do on I Love Lucy, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. All right. So there was, um, there was an, an older couple that uh, there was having a, uh, just a relaxed evening. By the way, these are marriage jokes because we're doing marriage medicine. This older couple are having a relaxed evening and the, uh, uh, the lady sitting on the couch and her husband's laying there on the couch with his head in her lap. And they've been married, you know, uh, 30, 40 years. And um, so she takes his glasses off and she said, you know, uh, without your glasses on, you look just like that young man that I married all those years ago. And he said, you know, without my glasses on, you look pretty good too. <laughs> uh, that's a classic, isn't it, right there? <laughs> Honesty hurts. <laughs> I would, I, I could not say that about Janet. Uh, I, I could not out of respect and I could not out of honesty. So there you go. There you so, go. So it wasn't vote you. in the comments. Was that it wasn't you with your head in her lap? That was some other couple, right? 
Uh, that sounds like something Dr. Berg would say. It uh, sure our old... <laughs> I could, I could hear Dr. Berg saying that. Yeah, uh, oh, we, that's, that's definitely we, his type of humor. So we need stuff. to mark him on this. So to tag him on this. Tag him. Yeah, we, we worked him <laughs> oh, in the joke of the week this time. Well, vote yeah, in the so... comment section. Yep, uh, vote if for you me. Like. Uh, or vote for me. There you go. Which I think I've won every week, haven't I? Uh, don't don't I win this every week? I'm still the one with the sweep. You know, I had one week <laughs> where I swept. So don't forget about that. So, yep. yep oh, yep, yep. my goodness. All right. All right. Well, well, hey, we are entering into a really good, uh, a really good discussion today. Yes, we are. And, um, um, you know, anything that you do, uh, you need to start well. Uh, anything that you do, um, you know, if, if, um, if, if you're playing in a football game, you don't want to get down 10 to nothing, you know, in the first quarter, you just don't want to get behind that because now you're playing catch up and it's just challenging. You know, if you're, um, you know, if you're running in a race, you you don't want to trip right out, right off the blocks. You know, you, you got to start well, and, um, you can be the best runner. You can be the best football player. You can be the best, whatever, but if you, if you don't start well, then you're just going to be playing catch up. And sometimes you'll feel like you never catch up. So it is with marriage. So it is with marriage. And um, uh, before we really get into this, I I do want to say that um, um, the vast majority of married people started wrong. Am I safe in saying that pastor Richard? Yes. Yes. Most people get married uh, in their twenties. And, uh, and in, uh, I think the average man gets married, uh, his first marriage is 30 right now, which, uh, the, the average age of the first marriage is 30. And I think for ladies, it's right around their 32, maybe, um, that is much older than before. And a lot of that is because people just aren't getting married like they used to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we could, uh, we talked about that a little bit last time, but, um, but unfortunately, uh, in your twenties is typically at a time of life where God is just not really held in a place of esteem where he ought to be in a person's heart and mind. And so, um, so, uh, people get married, um, for, um, uh, reasons other than, uh, the best reasons people get married under circumstances other than the best circumstances. And um, somewhere, you know, uh, around the time of the first or second child that comes along, you start thinking, oh, good night, I need God. <laughs> I need the Lord. And you're already five years into this. You're already, you know, three years, seven years into this. And, um, and, and so what you do is just one Sunday morning, you, um, you pack up the kids and, and, and your wife and y'all go to, to that church that you've been hearing about, wherever that church might be. And you go in there and the kids misbehave because they're not really accustomed to the whole church situation. Or if they have children's church, they, they go, but they buy the kid in the nursery. And, you know, um, uh, first a child's first experience at church, a lot of times just not the best, even in a church that's got great kids programs. And, um, so you go and you try it, you don't know anybody and uh, maybe somebody looked at you funny, you know, and so you're thinking, I'm, I, I want to get on board with this, but it's, it's hard to jump on a ship while the ship is sailing, you know, and um, um, I've got, I got some uh, verses I want to talk about, but uh, I know before we started videoing this, uh, Richard, you had some pretty good comments about it. Would you like to chime in and, and talk about, 
the uh, the struggles of starting. Uh, I, I do want to say before you do, listen. If you did, if you started wrong, there's hope. There is hope. You can you can fix this. You can right the ship. I promise you that you can. But if you are new in marriage or if you are not married, make up your mind that these early days will be right. So having said that, Pastor, why don't you take it for a minute and then we'll get into our passage. Yeah, we, we have a, a culture uh, in our country right now that has shifted away from marriage being done in a way that uh, is biblical, is biblical. And so this is a cultural problem that adversely affects, I would say, on, on some level, all of us. Uh, but the, the, uh, if you're part of this culture and you're trying to get married, uh, you don't have the best models around you, in front of you. Uh, maybe even your own parents didn't model it uh, properly and okay. Um, the Bible tells us, uh, it says, uh, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his own uh, spouse or his own wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That word leave, therefore shall a man uh, leave his father and mother. What, what we have to make sure we're careful with is not only physically leaving the address when we get married, but we leave behind the sinful habits or the bad habits of our parents or our grandparents or our aunts and uncles or just anyone in our life where we've learned our, our, our model for marriage. We leave those things behind and instead we say, we're going to get off and do it the right way. We're going to do it the Bible way. We're going to take this from being a theory of how the Bible says I'm to be married, and we're going to figure this thing out, and we're going to do it uh, uh, through God's power and God's grace. We're going to do it His way. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are dying for lack of role models in, in every aspect of life, especially when it comes to home. Uh, it, is, it is an incredible struggle. Um, for everyone listening, Pastor Lejeune and I, we had a, a conversation before we started taping this, and um, uh, something that I told him a few minutes ago was that in, in America, back in the 60s and 70s, we were told that um, uh, you ought to have the freedom to intoxicate yourself any way you choose, whether that is alcohol, whether it's marijuana. Back in that day, there was LSD. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember the LSD generation, but um, but you know the 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 Woodstock type revolution. Uh, the sixties and seventies also was the sexual revolution, and um, uh, you know birth control came on the scene in full force, and and um, uh, and just to be blunt, sorry, I, I try to not talk too crude. But um, uh, but basically, the idea is you ought to be able to have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. It doesn't matter. And there's no commitment. And um, so what's happened is you get all these intoxicated people who are all having sex. And now we have a, a couple of generations in our country that have been the people have been produced by intoxicated, lustful people. And these intoxicated, lustful people don't even like each other, let alone love each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so here comes you, I'm not talking about you, Pastor Richard, but I'm talking about you listener. And if you are an American, chances are you were produced by people that don't even like each other. And in many cases, people that barely even knew each other. And then when they found out they were pregnant with you or one of your siblings, 
maybe they tried to get married because they kind of felt like, well, maybe that'll fix all this, but then they got married and then they really didn't like each other. And so we have incredible confusion regarding home today because back in, even in the fifties and the sixties and seventies, we had a generation said, drink whatever you want, smoke, whatever you want, snort, whatever you want, put whatever you want in a needle and stick it in your arm and, and then go to Woodstock, sleep with whoever you want. And, and so here we have now in 2021, almost 2022, we Christians get so mad at these kids who struggle with their identity, their gender identity. And, and listen, I am not in any way advocating, you know, uh, there are two genders. Okay. Be really clear about that. But what happens is you got a, you got a, a, a 13 year old kid who let's say he's a guy and he looks at his dad and he thinks that's what men are not realizing that dad was the product of two people that didn't even know each other, like each other were intoxicated and just drawn to each other for lust. And then he, then his sister looks at mom and like, that's what being a woman is. And, and, and then they, and then they are taught by the TV and whoever else that now there's X number of genders. The, the problem ultimately was that it's confusing. It is horribly because they, I saw, I grew up seeing a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who treated my mom very well mm-hmm. and who went to work. And at the end of the day would come home and we would all sit around the dining room table and we would eat dinner and then I would do my homework and they would watch Marcus Welby on TV. And, and if I needed help on my homework, they were there. And then at bedtime, I went to bed and we would, I was never in question that my mom wasn't coming home. It was never in question. My dad wasn't, it was just never in question, but there, that is becoming more and more and more rare. So the, the verse I'm Richard, I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing the time. I apologize. Let me just add this to what you're saying. Please do sum it up real quick. I had someone ask me, why is there so much, uh, why is there so much divorce? Why is there so much confusion when it comes to gender, uh, homosexuality? Why, why has, how did we get here? Yeah. And my answer it's not was, complicated. well, my answer was when you take a culture and you dip it in the, in the worship of sex for 50 or 60 years, you're yes. going to end up with some really strange stuff and no one should be surprised by that. It's not surprising. It is not. The, the verse that you and I were talking about before we started today is um, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Uh-huh. It, and it says, but Solomon, but King Solomon loved many strange women. King Solomon loved many strange women. Now the word strange doesn't mean weird. Okay. And sometimes we say that word means foreign, which there is a hint of foreign in there. Not that being from a foreign place is wrong, but it has more the idea that women that worship many false gods. Yes. Okay. Um, ultimately what it's saying that Solomon loved many strange women is that he, there, there was a broad variety of women that Solomon thought he was in love with that did not hold to the values that he was brought up believing in right. the values of the, of the Jehovah God and the God of the Bible. 
So, uh, of course, we know that between his wives and concubines, he ended up with a thousand. Okay, I can't even fathom that. So when it says many strange women, um, I, I, I think that we put the emphasis on strange, which, okay, that's fine. That's a, the word God chose. We put the emphasis on many. Yep. Okay. That's God chose that word, but the word loved. Okay. I looked up the word loved there in Hebrew, just out of curiosity, if there's anything that would shed any light on that word. And sure enough, there's not. <laughs> okay. It means exactly what you and I would say in English. You can use that word, that same Hebrew word as your feelings toward God. You could use that same word, uh, it, English word and your feelings toward your puppy. Okay, it is a very broad sense of the word love. It's just an emotional feeling. And I, I hope everybody watching has a love, an emotional feeling toward God. Um, uh, I don't even know if you can remove the idea of commitment out of that, because I do think that Solomon was committed to all thousand of his women. <laughs> okay, you know, he housed them, he fed them, he, you know, when he took them as his own, he took on the responsibility of, of meeting their needs as a king would meet the needs of his harem. So was there a level of commitment? Yeah. But was it even close to right? No. 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 So the, what Solomon did in loving many strange women, I think that we see that here in, in America today. Um, I, I was dealing with a man recently and, um, a Christian man. And he told me, he said, he said, he said, I, I have been with over 90 women. Okay. And I, and also that's not really that uncommon these days. There are plenty of men who could probably say I've been with over 90 women. Um, that's not really the way God had intended. And I'm not saying this to put anybody watching on a guilt trip. I'm not. The point is not to look to your past and put blame on, on you and, and to be hard on you. That's not the point at all. The point is for you to look at today and say, how can I make it better from this point forward? Amen. When you bring Solomon type baggage into a romantic relationship, you're going to end up with Solomon type results. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what were the Solomon type results? Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Vanity of vanity. A miserable man. Yeah. Miserable man had everything going for him that should have kept him from being a miserable yeah. man. Well, I know him beforehand, you had some pretty good insight on that. Why don't, why don't you share some of that? Well, I, I, I'll use a, some verses to springboard into that. Um, I read Proverbs 5.18 last week. Let me back up and read the verses leading up to verse 18. Proverbs 5.15 says, drink water waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be, uh, let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. First Corinthians six eighteen tells us flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongerers and adulterers, God will judge. Uh, again, the point of this is not to throw stones at anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm a red-blooded male. Pastor King, you're a red-blooded male. We know what it's like to live in a world that's filled with sexual lust thrown at us in every way. I'm amazed at how they sell hamburgers 
uh, with sexuality and insurance with sexuality. I don't go to shopping malls alone because I, I don't know that I can handle the temptation just in the windows of the stores. I take a child with me or my wife with me or uh, some other Christian with me, um, get into the, the cell phone and all that, uh, all of the temptations that just are in pop-up ads. Um, when you're playing a game on your phone or you're scrolling through social media, uh, something someone likes that pops up there. What am I getting at? I'm getting at the fact that if you follow your flesh and you go the direction of your flesh in a time and era where sexuality is just flung in front of us, boy, you're going to end up uh, adding to your heart and life serious baggage if you're unmarried that you're going to end up carrying into marriage. And I promise you, it's going to limit the intimacy in your marriage. It's going to cause all kinds of problems in your marriage. So if you're single, flee fornication. I had a teacher in the 10th grade, Bible teacher. He read that verse and he said to a young man, I think he had had this stage ahead of time. He said, can you illustrate flee fornication? That desk next to you is fornication. What do you do? The boy got up and, and, and sprinted out of the room. And it yeah, just yeah. made this visual of, hey, go the other direction. Don't flirt with it. Don't mess with it. Uh, put put uh, protectors between you and it. And so um, if you're going to get your marriage off to a right start, you need to do your very best to make sure that on your heart level, you are pure in every Amen. way. Uh, not just when your parents are watching or the pastor's watching or your spouse is watching, uh, but you are pure in your heart and that your uh, reputation matches your character. And if you're married, I would say this, that sexual lust doesn't go away just because you got married. A mm-hmm. lot of people think, well, you know, I know I struggle with this lust thing, but I'll get married and my wife is beautiful or my hands, uh, husband's handsome and I won't have this issue afterwards. If you're contaminated and corrupt before you get married, you're still going to be contaminated and corrupt after you get married. And so deal with it. Get some help. Um, find a way to make sure that your heart is right and pure toward God and, and toward your, either your future spouse or your uh, current spouse. One last thing I'll add is that I hear youth preachers preach sometimes, falsely so. I know they mean well, but they say, you need to be pure to the wedding altar. You need to be pure to the wedding altar. And I would say, no, you need to be pure through the wedding altar, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yep. Purity is yep. an attitude that we have to carry with us. And get, if you're going to marry a young man or a young woman, you're going to marry the opposite gender, whether you're young or old, you're single, you're watching this, make sure that your heart is pure and your heart is right before God and your heart... Uh, your relationship is right toward the opposite gender. I would say uh, amen to that. Absolutely. I would also say to it that um, I think that sometimes Christians, we think that, you know, when you marry uh, men, when you marry someone you've married uh, so you can have a live in playmate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me tell you something. If that's the way you're looking at your wife, she is going to feel used and abused. That's right. Okay. Like an object. Yeah, that that is not the reason to get married. Now, listen, the romantic side of marriage is wonderful and praise God for it. But the most the most sexually fulfilled people are those who put sex in its proper place. Okay, if it is number one on your list and what marriage ought to be, you're getting this thing all out out of bounds and you're never going to be sexually satisfied. That's right. You're just not. 
Um, uh, we, we have about two minutes left. What I'd like to say as we have to start wrapping this up, one of the most common verses in the Bible, most well-known, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you want all this fulfillment in, in your life. But here's the thing. You've got to have a track record of seeking first the kingdom of God. Okay. If you are coming out of a, a fornication filled mindset and lifestyle and, and you say, well, I, I just need to find myself a good Christian girl. Well, if you find one tomorrow, don't marry her. Cause you're not ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You need to have some purification time where you get your thoughts, right. You get your heart, right. And it might take you a good while to get there, but you, Rather than looking for the right marriage partner, how about becoming the right marriage partner? That would probably be the, the better thing for you to focus on right now. Starting right has to do more with you being right than it does with you finding the right one. And if you will be the right one, let me tell you, the wrong ones are going to run from you because you're not going to be the, the fun that they're looking for. You say, well, what if I never find somebody? I would say, okay, that's all right. If you don't find somebody, you have to learn contentment in Christ because you're only going to find the right one when you have become content and when you have settled into that mindset. Seek you first, seek you first. And if you're content, then if no one comes along, you're going to be okay as well because you're Amen. Well, we could go on for about an hour on this <laughs> or more, but uh, I hope just a little challenge maybe would help somebody. Uh, somebody maybe needs to hit the reset button today, or somebody needs to just take a step back and say, well, you know, God will bring me my way when he's ready. It's been great. Hey, good talking with you, buddy. Become who you want others to become. Amen. <laughs>